0: Good morning, Christ walk Church. How's everybody doing today? Man, 11 o'clock. I know that y'all really love Jesus because it is hard to walk past the free food truck <laughs> to come on in to service. So thank you guys for being in here and for worshiping with us. I'm excited about today's message. If you've got uh, your Bible. you got a smart device. I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me actually to two different places. We're going to start uh, really briefly in Second Corinthians chapter 6. And so put a finger there and then flip over to um, Acts chapter 3, and we will land there momentarily. So 2 Corinthians 6 and then Acts chapter 3, both in the New Testament. Um, there is a book, maybe you've heard of it. It's called Purple Cow. Um, the author's name is Seth Godin. And in that book, He recalls a time that he and his family were traveling the countryside of rural France. And initially, they became fascinated by the picturesque farmland that was populated by what he refers to in the book as storybook cows. And so um, when you hear that phrase, you can probably imagine what he was talking about. But he writes that the cows remain novel for about 20 minutes before he and his family began to ignore them, kind of taking on the attitude that if you've seen one cow, you've seen every cow, no matter how storybook they may appear to be. The moral of the story here is that over time, things that may have once been fascinating or novel to us can end up becoming common, boring, and even begin to just blend into the background. And things that are common, things that are boring, things that begin to blend in, they just become things that over time are easy to ignore. But Godin proposes a purple cow. Now, that's something that could probably hold someone's attention for longer than 20 minutes. The truth is this morning that you and I, we were not created to simply be common. We were not created to live dull and boring lives. We were not Created to simply go with the flow and just blend into the background or along with the crowd. But we were created to be like that purple cow. We were created to be different. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Different. Where over the next several weeks we're going to walk through the core values of our church. And talk about how those values allow us to stand out from the rest of the world. Rather than simply blending in, the people of Christ Walk Church, we are going to be different. Because after all, being different is how we make a difference. And this series takes its cue from uh, a passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, where the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is a command to us from God. Not just for the individual, but for the church as a whole. And Paul uses a couple phrases that are important. First, he says, come out. And that denotes a definitive act on the part of the believer. That we are, we are taking specific action to remove ourselves from one place and move toward another place. Then he says, separate yourselves. That's another phrase. And this suggests devotion to God for a special purpose. And we've got to understand that it's not just a negative act of departure from the world, but it's also a positive act of dedication to the Lord. So what we see here is someone that is separating oneself from sin and then devoting oneself unto God. Because as believers, we must realize that we are in the world But we've got to take great caution that we not become like the world. And that's the differentiation that Paul is communicating here. And so these verses, they're going to serve as the foundational theme for this series. And I would invite you, much like we did in our Psalm 23 series, I would invite you that over the course of the next eight weeks, Do your best to commit these verses to memory. Maybe you want to highlight them in your Bible app or in in your paper Bible highlight and underline. Go back to them every single day and let's commit them to memory together as we walk through this series on our core values over the next several weeks. And then from this point, every week, what we're going to do is explore a different passage or story from the Bible that's going to help to underscore and highlight our eight different core values and begin to apply them to our lives. And so this morning, we're going we're to start with our value, Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. So picking up in Acts chapter three for our passage for today, beginning in verse one, We read, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God, and when they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. So they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So as we lean into this first value, Jesus is our message today. I believe that this passage reveals to us two specific things that you and i are meant to recognize and so if you're taking notes maybe you want to write these down for the next few minutes i want us to focus on number one recognizing our condition and then number two recognizing our calling so we're going to talk about recognizing our condition and then recognizing our calling so let's start with the first of those recognize our condition We pick up in verses 2 and 3 of our passage. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Though the early Christian church had already been established on the day of Pentecost, which happened prior to this, the believers at the time who had essentially converted from their Jewish faith to become believers in Jesus, they were still connected to the Jewish temple and the tradition of what is commonly known as fixed hour prayer. We see a number of times uh, throughout the scriptures where it talks about um, those that would they would pray at 9 a.m., noon and 3 p.m. And so as a result, Peter and John, they are on their way to the temple for the 3 p.m. prayer service. That's what's taking place here. The other thing that we know about Jewish culture is that almsgiving was a very important part of the Jewish faith. And so beggars of the day found it profitable to be near the temple in the midst of the scores of people that would visit there over the course of the day to worship and to pray. And there were nine different gates leading from the court of the Gentiles into the temple itself. And while scholars don't agree, uh, uh, you know, across the board on this, many of them believe that this beautiful gate that is referred to in our passage is actually the eastern gate. This particular gate was made of Corinthian bronze, and it, it made it look a lot like it was made out of gold, and it would have been prime real estate for a beggar to set up shop. It's kind of like the guy standing at the intersection with the cardboard sign, you know, like, like you want to get at the intersection that's going to be the busiest, that has the most people passing by so that you have the best opportunity to, uh, to take advantage of that and receive value from it. And the, the text tells us that, that the man that we are dealing with here, this, this lame man that we're looking at, that, that he was lame from birth. Later, in chapter 4, a few verses later, we we find out that he had lived with this condition of lameness for over 40 years. And as a result of his condition, he was essentially helpless. He had to depend on the assistance of others to even make it to the temple gate each day. And, And then he spent his waking hours asking for handouts from every single person that would pass by. And whether we realize it or not, you, you and I, we, we can certainly identify with this man because we know what it's like to be lame. Now, now, granted, we may not be lame in our feet like this man was, but, but we've no doubt experienced lameness in our lives. Lameness is, is simply a condition that prevents proper mobility resulting in a lack of forward motion or progress. Essentially, this man was, was stuck. Anybody know what it's like to be stuck? You felt that in your life. You, you can think of a moment, a time, a thing where you, you've considered, I'm just, I'm stuck in this rut. A few years ago, before, um, before I got the truck that I have now, which is four-wheel drive, the, the vehicle that I was driving, I, I, was, I was driving out on a piece of property. It was a bunch of grass, and there'd been a lot of rain the week before. And I didn't realize, but Avery was with me, and we were driving out, and all of a sudden, we weren't going anywhere anymore. And I looked out, and I noticed, oh, like, there's a ton of mud all around me and everything, and, 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 and I, was, I was stuck. And Avery, she said, Dad, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll, I'll figure something out. And so I started by trying to go really easy on the gas just to see if I could kind of ease out of it. And when that didn't work, I floored the gas. To see if maybe that would get me out of it. And, and when that didn't work, I tried like shifting into a lower gear to see if maybe that would work. And, and then, then when I wasn't able to make forward progress out of any of that, I thought, I know, I'll just put it in reverse and I'll back out of this mess. And, and that didn't work either. It, it was no matter what I did, every single thing that I tried, it just got me bogged down deeper and deeper and deeper into that mud. See, in the middle of that situation, I thought that I was going to be able to handle things on my own. I thought that, that I could come to a solution. But, but what I needed most in that moment was to swallow my pride and call for somebody to come and pull me out. Which is what I did and they did and that's why I'm here today and not stuck in the mud somewhere. <laughs> See, you and I, we're, we're just like this lame man. Yes, he, he was lame in his feet, but also he was lame in his spirit. But he thought he knew what he needed most, money. But, but in actuality, what he needed most was salvation for his soul and healing for his body, neither of which money was able to purchase. He was born lame, just like each of us are born, unable to walk so as to please God. We read in Romans 5.12, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. Thanks, Adam, for everyone sinned. Not only was this man lame, he was also poor. And you and I are but bankrupt sinners before God Almighty, unable to pay the tremendous debt that we owe to him. He was lame, he was poor. We also, when we, when we learn about this man, we see that he was outside the temple. And because of sin, you and I too, we have been separated from the presence of God. Paul writes about that in Romans 3.23. He says, for all have sinned sinned, and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We're separated today. But the good news is, is that this man experienced complete sin. An instant healing as a result of the grace of God at work in his life. And what we see is that when we cry out to the Father, he responds swiftly and completely with his grace to pull us out of the mess in which we find ourselves entangled. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We learn in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what this man did. And, and when he did, he, he gave evidence to the work that God had done in his life by doing two things. Number one, he identified himself with the apostles with other believers. And number two, he walked, leapt, and praised God. I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this situation. He says, now that this man could stand, there was no question where he stood. Now that he was able to stand, there was no longer a question where he stood because of what the Lord had done in his life. He was overt about it. and Everyone knew. And for those of us that we've called on the name of the Lord for salvation, we give evidence of what the Lord has done in our lives as well by bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, by sharing our testimony liberally and faithfully to those that are around us, by identifying ourselves with other believers. That's why we come to church. That's why we participate on a serve team. That's why we engage in a life group. That's why we gather together with one another. And then we put on the full armor of God and do what the Bible says, having done all to stand. That when, when adversity comes our way and the attacks of the devil comes our way and, and, and it's trying to knock us down at every turn because of who we are in Christ and because of the work that he has done in our life and because we are choosing to put on his armor, we stand firm in the midst of all of that. And there is no doubt to the unbelieving world where we stand. This morning, if if you recognize your spiritual lameness and you would like to call on the name of the Lord for salvation today, it is here, he is ready, he is available for you. And the good news is, is that it's easy as A, B, C, admit, believe, and choose. A simple prayer would be something like this. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer, if you believe that in your heart, if that's a step that you are ready to take, we don't want you to engage in that Christ walk alone. People of this church, we want to come alongside you and we want to link arms and we want to help you understand what it's like to live for Jesus. The first thing we want to do is we want to celebrate with you because that's the greatest decision that you could possibly ever make. And so if you've made that decision today, I encourage you, go to the green next steps tent after service and tell somebody what you've done and then expect them to like clap and shout, like just get ready because they're going to be excited about the decision that you've made. The other thing that we want to do is we have a resource for you. It's a really cool book. It's called Following Jesus. We want to put this in your hands. It's going to give you some step-by-step guidelines for what it looks like to begin your walk with Christ. We want to help come alongside you so that you can not just pray a prayer and cross a line, but so that you can develop and mature and grow in your faith. See, the, the lame man in this story He helps us to understand our condition, to recognize our condition. But then another character that I want us to zoom in on is number two, Peter, who helps us to recognize our calling. The lame man helps us to recognize our condition, then Peter helps us to recognize our calling. We pick it up in verse six of our passage, it says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Now, it's important to note that this interaction was post-Pentecost. And, and Peter was among those in the upper room that received the baptism, the infilling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so in this moment, being full of the Spirit, Peter is now on mission to fulfill the words of Jesus that he spoke over his followers in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, a lot of us, we read this and, and, and we, we see Peter saying, like, silver and gold, I don't, I don't have any of that. and We're like, yeah, right. Like, we've all been in that situation, right? Like, you're, you're leaving the grocery store. You got, you know, like a, a pocket full of, of, of change from, um, you know, from, from where you paid. And, and you got like a whole bunch of groceries in the back seat and everything. And then there's that guy at that really busy intersection with the cardboard sign. And you lock the door to the car. And you're like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. You know, and you're, you're like looking, and you're like, man, my sunroof is really nice. You doing, kids, look away! Look away! He's coming. He's walking up to the vehicle, and then and then you make the mistake. You peek over, and then it's like laser beams. He just catches your eyes, and you're you're like you're like, motioning to him through the window, the windshield. You're like, you know, some like all of a sudden you learn sign language or whatever, and you're going, please, Lord, let the light turn green, in the name of Jesus, turn green. And then as soon as it does, you're like. Burning rubber, getting out of there, you know, like but but that's not what's going on here. P- Peter literally he he didn't have any money in this moment. At the the end of the previous chapter in chapter two, we learned that all of the believers had actually pooled all of their resources together to support the growing church, which had added over three thousand people in the first day. So Peter, he he literally had no money to offer this man. But but Peter also knew that while money was this man's request, money was not going to solve any of his problems. See, some some spare change thrown in this man's cup, it it may have allowed him to purchase some fresh bread. But Peter was like, I got something way better than fresh bread to offer you. I got fresh life that I want to give you. Where where the man was looking for for something monetary, Peter was like, I'm going to give you something miraculous. There's a difference there. And, and when it comes to being a witness for Christ, we, we can't allow ourselves to be held back by the things that we don't have. Because the truth is, as believers in Jesus, we have the very thing that people need the most. And so the question becomes then, so, so what, do we, what do we do? What do we do with that in those moments? First, we, we need to take authority in those moments. The the latter part of of verse 6 says that that even though he said, I I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but what, what I do have I will give to you. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. See, we recognize law enforcement officers by the badges that they wear on their chest. But there's nothing overtly special about that badge. It's just a piece of metal that they have pinned to their shirt. But it is symbolic of the authority of the governing laws of our land that the individuals wearing those badges represent. And that is what gives them the power to enforce those laws. Last weekend, I officiated a wedding. And and I'm able to pronounce a couple as husband and wife in accordance with the authority that is given to me as a minister of the gospel. I have a certificate of ordination In a nice frame on the wall in my office, which represents the authority that I have under the covering of the Church of God, which is our denomination. And that's what gives me power to officiate the ceremony and to sign the marriage license and make everything legal. And in both instances, what we're seeing here is that it's a transfer of power from the governing entity down to the individual who is then able to utilize that authority for the execution of duty. When, when Jesus gave his followers the Great Commission, he told them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he sent them out as his witnesses to make disciples of all nations. So what that means is that as a follower of Christ, the authority of the kingdom has been transferred to you to use in the execution of your duties as his follower. In his witness. And, and so, what, what we need to understand is that when we declare the name of Jesus, just like we did in that song earlier, it, it, it doesn't go out into the ether somewhere. When we declare the name of Jesus in a situation, power is released. Because there is authority that is connected to the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us that that the name of Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And that one day, whether by force or by choice, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so that means that every other authority pales in comparison to the authority that is found in the name of Jesus Christ, which as believers we are marked by and we carry with us everywhere we go. Jesus said this about the authority of his name in John chapter 14. He said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. See, when I read this story, I can't help but think about the hundreds or thousands of people, perhaps, that walked by this lame man multiple times a day over the course of 40-plus years on their way to go and worship. These weren't just any old people. These were religious people. These were church people. And they walked by this dude for decades. And the best that they could come up with was just dropping a buck In his cup, here's a quarter, feeling really good today. Here's a five, here's a 20. And they would check off that box thinking that they had done their duty. When all along they had access to something so much bigger, greater, more powerful that they could have offered him. And I can't help but think that the reason that the church in America is so often anemic is because its people, myself included, simply do not have an understanding or the faith to wield the authority that we've been given according to Jesus Christ and his word. Let that sink in for just a minute. See, I I don't know about you, but I don't want to just know about God. I I don't want to merely come in here on Sunday and and lift my hands and sing some songs and everything and and check off a box. No, I want to operate every single day of my life in the fullness of the authority that he has bestowed on me so that I can make a difference in the world around me. That's what I want. That's what I want for the people of this church. But it requires that we take authority. The second thing it requires is that we have to take action. It's not enough to just take authority. We also have to take action. We pick up in verses 7 and 8. It said, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. James tells us in the New Testament that, that faith without works is dead. And so Peter didn't just tell the man to get up and walk, but he also reached out his hand and helped him stand up. That lets us in on on a a really powerful principle. You and I, we can't just talk about it. We've also got to be about it. We can't just talk about it. We've also got to be about it. These these values that we have, they're they're not just something to to put on the wall or or, um, to put on a bumper sticker on the back of a t-shirt or anything. No, there's something for us to actually live out. It's not enough to just have it on a piece of paper. It's not enough to just know it up here. It doesn't make any difference until it turns from an idea into an action. The Bible says that that as he did this, see, it, it was the authority that Peter had in Jesus that made the miracle possible. But it was Peter's taking action that activated the miracle in this man's life. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. But the man's legs weren't healed until Peter reached out and helped him stand up. See, it's, it's not just enough for us to see the need around us, but we also must work to help meet the need. And in that moment, while the layman received something of great value, it, it wasn't anything that he expected. But it turns out that it was way better than anything money could ever buy. And you and I, we have that same opportunity. To extend what is most valuable to the hurting and the broken people around us. But they will never be able to receive it if we aren't first willing to extend it to them. We have to take authority. We have to take action. And then we see the end result of this. When we choose to live that way, the end result is awareness and amazement. Closing out our passage, verses 9 through 11. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. See, when when the people saw what had happened, they immediately became aware of the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And as a result, they were both Astounded and amazed And when you and I When we choose to exercise the authority That we have in Christ The same results will take place In our lives, in our church and in, in our community and, and here's what I know about things That are astonishing And things that are amazing They are also things that are attractive And so when we, when we operate in this manner People are going to show up Because they're going to want to see what's going on and they're going to want to experience it and be a part of it. The Bible says that that the people all rushed out to see what had taken place. When God does the miraculous, even the unbelieving world is going to sit up and take notice and they will be drawn to that because they want to experience it for themselves. When the people went out, to see what had happened, they found the now formerly lame man holding tightly to Peter and John. But make no mistake about it, he wasn't holding to Peter and John because of anything that they did. He was holding on to them because in and through them he had gotten a taste of Jesus. That's the calling that you and I have. That's that's what it means to live out the value of Jesus, is our message that, that we are supposed to give people a taste of Jesus. It's what my friend Luke calls being pink spoon people. You've all got a pink spoon in your seat, you probably pushed it to the side. You were like, What in the world is happening? You've experienced the power of the pink spoon before. You've all gone to an ice cream shop and you've looked in the case and you go, ooh, that looks good. And the person behind the case goes, and they put this tiny little dollop of it on there and they hand it to you and what do you do? You stick it in your mouth and like suck on the spoon like you haven't eaten in 47 years. (laughs) And you go, I'll have some of that. Two scoops and a cone, please. Once you get a taste, you end up wanting more. That's what the value of Jesus is. our message is all about. We're representatives of Jesus Christ. He lives in us. We carry him with us everywhere that we go. So when people have an encounter with us, they should get a taste of what Jesus is like. When those outside of our church experience the people of Christ walk, they should also experience a community of truth in a world of uncertainty and suspicion. They should experience a community of generosity and enough in a world full of overconsumption. They should experience a community of forgiveness in a world that is full of hatred, competition, violence, grudges, and revenge. They should experience a community of praise in a world full of narcissism. They should experience a community of self-giving love in a world full of selfishness and self-gratification. They should experience a community of humility in a world full of arrogant self-interest they should experience a community of patience in a world full of immediate gratification they should experience a community of thankfulness in a world that is consumed with entitlement so the question is is when people have an encounter with you what taste are they left with in their mouths is it bitter is it salty is it sour Or is it something that leaves them wanting more? See, when we say that Jesus is our message, it's not just about what we say. It's not just about what we believe. But it's also about how we choose to live. When the lame man experienced Jesus in Peter and John, he walked away healed and whole. When the lame experience us, how do they walk away? Still in their brokenness? Or have their lives been changed because of the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus that we carry with us? See, we may not be able to give people everything that they want, but we can most definitely give them everything that they need. And so you and I, we need to decide right now that from this point forward, we're gonna take authority and take action to live out together what it means for Jesus to be our message. Because we may not have anything else to offer, but we can give a taste of Jesus to everyone that we meet. Let's be pink spoon people together. I encourage you to take this spoon with you, stick it in your pocket, Put it in your purse. Maybe put it in your car or on your bathroom sink or somewhere that you'll see it every day as a reminder of the authority that you have in Jesus and the calling that is on your life to be his witnesses to the world around you, everyone that you come in contact with. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you the principle and the power of your word. I thank you for the way that it illuminates our hearts and lives and points us in the direction of how we are to live. Father, I pray that your people would recognize that being different is the only way to make a difference and that they would embrace the call that you've placed on their lives to be your witness to the unbelieving world around them. that they would choose not only to recognize the authority that they have, but that they would take action in accordance with the authority that they have. Lord, that you would help us to not only see the need, but help us to also meet the need. And that through everyone that we come in contact with, that they would experience a little taste of what Jesus Christ is all through our lives through our example we would point them in your direction We give you the glory and the honor the power and the praise and we thank you for what you are doing in and through this church and in the hearts and lives of its people in jesus name the church said amen